Hello there, Redeemer family. The text for our Good Friday sermon today is going to be Colossians 2. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians 2. We'll look at verses 13 and 14. As you're turning there, I want want to gear our minds toward the event of Good Friday, the significance of today, and what we have to be careful to do on Good Friday is to think of Good Friday as just a a warm-up act for Easter, something that was necessary for Resurrection Day to occur. Now, while it's certainly true that without Good Friday, we would have no Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday is not without its own eternal significance and present significance. So what I want us to do today is pause for a few minutes and think about what happened on Good Friday. Certainly our mind goes toward all the earthly events that transpired leading up to the death of Christ starting with his betrayal in the garden. There's the the mob comes and Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. <clears throat> the illegal trial that occurs in at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus ultimately being de, uh, denied by all of his followers. They all deserted him. Jesus, their own trial before Pilate, going back and, for, get back and forth with the crowd, resulting in the condemnation and sentence of death. Jesus carrying his own cross up to the hill of death, Jesus being nailed to the cross and hanging there before a watching world, made a spectacle, making certain statements toward people uh, at the event of the crucifixion, and then ultimately his death when Jesus breathed his last, gave up his spirit, and died. Who's at fault in the crucifixion, the death of the Lord Jesus? Where do we place blame? We always want to blame someone. Do we blame the Jews for bringing Jesus to the Romans to be killed? Do they? Do we blame the Romans because the Romans affirmed the sentence of death? And if you think about it, there, there seemed to be a, 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 some type of political tug of war going on back and forth between these two worldly powers as if Jesus is there uh, hanging in, in between these two entities. But we must remember that, that Jesus, Jesus and the events of Good Friday... They're not about victory for the Jews, not about victory for the Romans. Good Friday was not a day of victory for Satan, for the enemy. Good Friday was not a day of victory for the world. Good Friday is actually about victory for the Christian. And so spiritually, while we think about all those physical events that played out on Good Friday, we need to also think deeply here, spiritually, what happened on Good Friday. How was Good Friday really good? Why do we call this day Good Friday? We'll turn your attention to Colossians 2. We'll read two verses here and think about what happened on Good Friday. Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Two reminders I want us to think about with regard to what happened on Good Friday. And these two reminders, these two truths are are truths that we can and we must hang our lives upon as believers. The first truth is that Jesus paid our sin debt. On Good Friday, the work of Christ on the cross, Jesus paid our sin debt. Paul refers to this record of debt here. Uh, here in verse 14, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This record of debt 
nailed to the cross. He says this he set it aside, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Paul is probably alluding to the actual event of the crucifixion where when a criminal was sentenced to die under Roman rule, they would have a sign hung around their neck that would indicate whatever their crime was. So it would be murder or theft or insurrection. And so then they would wear the sign as they carried their cross up to the hill of death. And then when they were placed on the cross, that sign would be placed over the criminal so that all the people looking on could know this person died for murder, this person died for theft, this person died for insurrection. And so the 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 crimes that were listed on Jesus, according to John 19, is that he was the king of the Jews. That was the accusation that was brought to Jesus on Jesus and then Pilate as kind of a moment of spite toward the Jews to, to, to kind of get the last word in this event. He put over Jesus, the King of the Jews. And there's something going on here in this physical sign that was hanging on the cross of Christ that points to really a deeper spiritual reality. And we see it here in, in what Paul refers to as nailing it to the cross. What did he nail to the cross? He nailed this record of dead that stood against us. And so when we think about this sign, and as you read the event in, in John 19 in the other Gospels of the crucifixion, and you, and you see the sign, think how Paul interprets that sign, spiritually speaking. He interprets it as our sin account. Our sin account, this record of debt that stands against us with its legal demands. You see, outside of Christ, we are all guilty in our sin and because of our sin. Everyone is guilty. In verse 13, we see that we're guilty by sin of action. And you who were dead in your trespasses, action, we deliberately disobey God, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden when they committed the first sin. We are guilty of sin by action. We sin because we want to sin. We actively sin. We're guilty of sin by action, but we're also guilty of sin by nature. Guilty of sin by nature, verse 13 again. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Paul is referring to man's natural condition outside of Christ. Our condition is that of sin. We call this, we call this depravity. All of us outside of the grace of God apply to us in the work of Christ. We are depraved. We are completely depraved before God. And we sin because sin comes really natural for us. Paul is referring to man's natural state, that of being apart from God. So we are guilty of sin by action and we're guilty of sin by nature. So understand our problem here. The problem is not just what we do, sin, but the problem is also who we are, sinners. We sin and we are sinners. So where does this condition leave us? Well, in verse 13, Paul says we're dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision in your flesh, you were dead. What's the big deal about being dead? The, the, the major problem here is that Man, in his natural condition outside of Christ, is totally incapable of doing anything to take care of this record of debt that stands against us with its legal demands. Our spiritual deadness is not just inactive. It's not just that we are passively dead. No, we're actively dead toward God. In chapter 1, verse 21, Paul refers to our being alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Romans 5 tells us that we are enemies of God. And so we have this record of debt that stands against us, and, and oftentimes we try to do things in our own power to take care of this sin problem, the sin of action and the sin of sin by nature. And so what do people do to try to take care of their sin problem? Well, some people try good works. We do enough good things for people. We do enough good things, good charitable things in this world. We help people in need, 
and we try to pile up good works. Some people actually try religion. We do things like go to church. We give our money. We attend events. We make the church work days. We go on mission trips. We even read our Bible. We pray. We try to trust in our religious activity to take care of our sin problem. Some people trust in morality, a good moral lifestyle. Stay away from the big sins, and oftentimes we think that we're okay. The problem with all of these options is that we operate as if God's judgment toward our sin is is like a scale system. We have two sides of the scale, and as long as we can keep putting, making deposits onto the good side, whether that's through good works or religion or morality, then it's going to outweigh our sin, and then God's going to look favorably upon us. But here's why that system doesn't work. One sin is enough to justify God's wrath toward us. He is completely holy, completely perfect, and he's completely just. Our sin account by action and by nature is full and is in in fact in surplus. And remember, we're dead, verse 13. We are incapable of fixing this sin problem. God has to be the one to fix it. So what does God do to fix this sin problem that we have? What's the remedy that God brings to our situation? Well, he could have said, well, let's just forget about it. You've been in offensive situations at times, and you just want to move past it and say, you know what, let's just forget about it. What's done is done. He could have he could have just wiped it away. He could have just, with a divine sovereign stroke, just kind of wiped everything clean and hit a reset button. He could have taken the, the, the position of, well, no worries, no sweat. What's done is done. Let's do better from now on. But Paul tells us exactly what God did for us with this sin problem in verse 14 canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He canceled it. He canceled this record of debt that stood against us. The word cancel here is actually a violent word that means to cause something to cease from being by obliterating any evidence. So think about the picture that Paul is painting here for us as we remember the work of Good Friday. God canceled the record of debt that stood against us. He obliterated the record of debt, and evidence of our record of debt through the work of Christ. And the word tense here for canceling means he did it now and he did it forevermore. And so when we trust on Christ, when we repent and believe on the Lord Jesus, our sin debt is paid and our record of debt that stands against us is canceled. It's canceled. If you know Jesus, your sin debt is paid. Your record of debt toward God is canceled. So on Good Friday, on Good Friday, let's remember that Jesus paid our sin debt. Truth number two, Jesus took our sin penalty. So Jesus paid our sin debt, and also Jesus took our sin penalty. Paul says here in verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. With its legal demands. What are these what are these legal demands referring to? The legal demands are referring to the just justice and judgment that are necessary based on this record of debt that we have because we are dead in our trespasses, our sins of action, and our sin of nature. Somebody's gotta pay here. Justice must be served, or God in effect becomes less than God, because our sin is an offense toward the holiness and the righteousness and the purity of God. And so God being just has to demand payment for sin. There there are legal demands that are required against this record of debt. 
What is the requirement to pay for this debt of sin that we have? The requirement is death. We know that Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The requirement that's necessary for sin is death. And in our sin, in our sinful state outside of the work of Christ, we are dead. We are spiritually dead, separated from God. And God fixes that problem, remedies that problem through death. We know from Hebrews 9.22 and other passages similar that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So what happened on Good Friday? On Good Friday, Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. Not one of us, in and of ourselves, could be sufficient to pay for our own sins. We could not give our own lives to take care of the penalty of our sin. Someone else, a perfect sacrifice, had to come and be made. And so think about it. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin. The judgment and the wrath that you deserve, the judgment and the wrath that I deserve because of my, my sin, because of your sin, Jesus himself took upon that cross. Now, what did, what did your record of debt include? What did, what did the sin characterization look like for your life? That sin must be atoned for. Sacrifice must be made. God's wrath towards sin must be satisfied. And only God could satisfy God. And so there's Jesus on the cross. As the words of the song say, In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Jesus said of himself, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. In doing what? In taking on the penalty of our death. Jesus died, so we don't have to die. At some point, our physical lives will cease. We will die on this earth, but we don't have to die for eternity, separated from God in a real place called hell. We can have the life that comes through Christ that we read about on the pages of Scripture. Jesus paid our sin debt. The work of Christ on Good Friday reminds us that our sin debt is paid complete. He canceled the record of dead that stood against us. Jesus took our sin penalty. He, he didn't just cancel the record of dead that stood against us. He also set aside its legal demands and satisfied those legal demands in his work on the cross. And so a question, do you know Christ? Do you truly know Jesus? Or are you maybe, like so many in our culture here in South Louisiana, Livingston Parish specifically, trusting in works? Trusting in religion, trusting in morality, but not trusting in Christ. Well, then our encouragement to you, our, our admonition to you, is to repent and believe. Embrace the work of Christ on Good Friday. And maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, well, my record of debt is quite vast, is quite deep, is quite ugly. And maybe you think that God couldn't save you. Well, let me encourage you. God's grace is far deeper and far richer than any sin or amount of sins that you can bring to the table. There were two other characters in the story where Jesus is hanging on the cross on that Good Friday, two criminals there. And one starts to cry out to Jesus, if you are God, save yourself. And the implication is save yourself and us in the middle of this. But then there's another criminal who cries out to, cries out to the, the first guy and says, hey, you need to stop saying that. We deserve what we are getting. He's done nothing to get to deserve what he's receiving. And he asked Jesus to remember him in his kingdom. 
in essence, says, I deserve what I'm giving, getting. And, and he cries out to Christ to save him. And so you simply repent and believe. Understand that your sin is an offense toward God and ask God to forgive you for that sin and express trust and faith in Christ, trusting that his work on Good Friday is completely sufficient to cancel the record of debt that stands against you with its legal demands. Trust in him and then share this new life that you have in Christ with those around you. Now, for us Christians, those of us who are saved, if you're, if you're truly saved, it's, it's a common experience for us that the more and more we grow as Christians, the more and more we actually understand the depth of our own sin. And as we understand the depth of our own sin, the, the record of sin that Christ canceled in his work on the cross, we should really become amazed more and more each day by the wonder of God's mercy and the wonder of God's grace. Good Friday is victory for us. The cross is victory. Because of Good Friday, we are alive. He says, and, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. We are forgiven, having, having forgiven us all our trespasses. We are pardoned. We are no longer guilty. The gavel has hit the judge's bench and the judge has declared us not guilty on behalf of Christ. The record of your sin debt is nailed to the cross. The payment and the penalty of sin are complete and no more. And so we, we think of the words of, of it as well. There's one line there that speaks so clearly to these verses and what's going on here as we remember Christ's work on Good Friday. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Why did God do this? Why did, why did God make Good Friday happen? Why was Good Friday a sovereign date on the divine calendar before the foundation of the world? Because of his love. We know the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, brothers and sisters, let's remember that our sin debt is paid. Christ's work is complete on our behalf, and the penalty for our sin is forgiven. So we have life in him, and on this Good Friday, as we think about the work of Christ in the moment of the crucifixion, we're not just looking toward a, a warm-up for Resurrection Sunday. We're looking, to, we're looking at the work of God on behalf of sinners like us, so that we can be made sons and daughters of the King. And so we trust him, and we praise him, and we worship him, and we obey him. Let's pray. Father, to think that the record of debt for our sin was canceled, was nailed to the cross, set aside, and the legal demands were satisfied in that moment of Christ's atoning death. Lord, it does cause us to worship. Lord, it 
it pushes us toward humility, knowing and understanding that there's nothing good within us outside of you. And so, Lord, on this Good Friday, Lord, we pray that you will save those who do not know you. They will cry out to, to you for forgiveness of sin, trusting in the work of Christ on the cross on their behalf. And, Father, for, for those of us who do know you, remind us that Good Friday really is good, the darkest day in human history is drenched in beauty, drenched in grace, drenched in your love and your mercy and your kindness toward us. Thank you, Father, that because of what Jesus did, our sin debt is paid and our penalty is no more. So show us how to walk in freedom from guilt, from fear, and from shame, knowing that our record of debt and its legal demands are set aside, nailed to the cross, remembered no more before you. Thank you, Father, for loving us in this way. We pray it in Jesus' good name. Amen.